Your vowels aren't so flat, but you know, we'll forgive you. This one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just like make you say a bunch of iconic words. Say sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> when you get two like this in a podcast, this is what happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, we've done so great. We've diversified. Say things on the podcast. <laughs> Display your accent for yes. us. <laughs> Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together, we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So, what are we talking about today, Big? Today, we have a guest on the show. I'm so excited because she's our first non-American guest. <laughs> yeah, we've tried so hard, man. <laughs> yeah, not for lack of trying, but the diversity has come. Yeah. Has finally come. <laughs> diversity. We have gone to our neighbor to the north. <laughs> but before we get to our guest, I want to hear about your week, dude. Yeah. So this week was pretty exciting. So I, and by I, I mean both of us, of course. <laughs> we don't went, do anything apart. <laughs> we went on field work last week and got back since we recorded the last episode. I don't even know when we got back. And yeah, so we were maybe three hours away in a different district and researching a language that I have called the Pearl language. It's a pseudonym. And we have done so much work on this language, you guys. I started researching this language technically in 2017. Oh my gosh. Um, and then in 2018, at the very beginning of the year, I started writing um, or doing background research for this language in june we went on the first field work in september we went on the second field work to another part of the country and last week we went on the third and final field work yeah it's a relief i'm not gonna <laughs> it <feels> so good <laughs> it's been a really great experience but it's tiring to constantly plan field work yeah, it is. And it's just, I don't know, usually when we go, when we do fieldwork for a language, we do it all at one time. Mm -hmm. So this has been kind of a unique situation. And I think there's some benefits to the way that we've done it. Like, you are able to kind of adjust some of your tools yeah. or figure out, like, what other information you needed to gather. But it also just means that you're never finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... We're always coming back to Kathmandu. We get a schedule and a routine going again, and you feel really good about life. And then you leave, and you come back, and you have to start all over again. You're like, I don't want to exercise anymore. I don't want to eat healthy. I just want to <laughs> lay on my bed all day long. And it takes like a month to get back on track for me. So, <laughs> so good thing we're going to the village again next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, after next weekend, it'll be the last field work for a while. Good. So, well, yeah. Congratulations. Small, small steps. On finishing that specific field Thanks. work. Feels good. I got a tiny bottle of gin waiting for me yes. when I'm done. <laughs> I'm so good at giving gifts. <laughs> yeah, that's me. What happened to you this week? Uh, so many things. How do I choose? Um, okay, so this didn't happen to me, but I find this super fascinating. So our landlady of our office is having a insanely auspicious day <laughs> i never use the word auspicious as many times until i moved to this country and i know now it's like daily it's so important <laughs> oh it's an auspicious day you must be getting married right. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so she is old and they're basically like celebrating how great her life has been. But they're doing it on the seventh hour of the seventh day of the seventh month of her 77th year. Amazing. Epic. I'm like, what time is it right now? I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. I I wonder if they go down to like the minute. Probably not. I'm sure they do not know what minute she was born. (laughs) It was 77 years ago. (laughs) They probably just made up her birthday, to be honest. I feel like a lot of people that I meet that are old, I'm like, how old are you? And they're like, I don't know. I was born in this year. And I'm like, that was only 50 years ago. And you look 70. (laughs) It's a hard 50, man. (laughs) Like, that's when you got your birth certificate, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I was at the office today and I saw them like preparing and they had tons of all the stuff that you use to do like the special uh, religious rituals and stuff. So they had this whole area set up where they're going to build a fire and they have fruit and vegetables and like rice. They have these plates that they make out of leaves, which are super cool. Why don't yeah, we do that in America? Been stitching those plates together for like a couple days. Nepal eco-friendly. It's amazing to me. But yeah, so they are like all these plates are full of the different like fruits and foods and stuff. And then they do like special blessings on them, blah, blah, blah. And then tomorrow they'll be, have a huge party and everyone will come and eat all the blessed food and probably get drunk. (laughs) It is a Monday. Yes, (laughs) at nine in the morning. That is the time. Anyway, yeah, super interesting. Um, Okay, well, let's bring on our guest, shall we? I think so. Pretty excited. So it's like we have to pull her out of like a curtain or something. It's like a game show. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> so her name is Maple, which you guys might be able to guess what country she's from. <laughs> Welcome, Maple. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you. Good here. to be here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you lived in Nepal? What brings you here? Some other random facts. <laughs> Yeah, I um, actually, it'll be almost seven years. In a couple more weeks, I'll have been here for seven years. So that seems really crazy. Oh my gosh. Happy early Nepal anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I came here to teach kids at an international school. Yeah, so I teach grade four right now. But even though we live in the super huge city with like millions of people, I actually grew up in a really remote area. So my dad's a farmer, and his farm is a half-hour drive away from the biggest town, which has 6,000 people. Oh, my gosh, so cute. (laughs) (laughs) It's super cute. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a big change to come here, but I feel like it's kind of amazing how you can adapt to living in any kind of place. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, even though it's really different from where I'm from, I like it here. Humans are so adaptable. It's really amazing. It really is. It's. I think it's, like, one thing to know that about other humans but to see yourself do it you know like yeah. to look back on who you used to be and you're like wow how did I do that yeah right <laughs> yeah and you somehow always think that you've reached your completed state yeah what's that called the end of history fallacy I don't know but a fallacy for sure <laughs> yeah it's like this thing you always think like the last five or ten years of your life or when you changed the most huh. and you think you're not going to change in the future <laughs> it's like I'm done now yeah. <laughs> this is how I am now yeah <laughs> Um, Okay, well, we have prepared some questions for you, so... All right, so my first question for you, Maple, is what are a few ways that your day-to-day life has changed drastically since you've been here? I feel like 
once you start living here, then it's hard to really answer that question because mm-hmm. you like you just feel like now is your everyday life, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, well, it, I feel like it's the same as it was before, but then it's like, no, actually, like it's not. It's changed a yeah. lot in seven years. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes. Okay. The biggest, most incredible change is now we have power. So that's exciting. It's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. So like when I first came here, it was like, if you're having a good day, you'd get like maybe, I don't know, 18 hours of power or something that's like in the peak season. But in the wintertime, it would be like, you get four hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. And we had like, everyone wrote out the schedule, like, cause it was a rolling blackout system. And like, you would plan out like your social life based on like when you had power. And yeah, yeah. so now we have power like all the time, like a couple of blackouts here and there, but like for 15 minutes or something. So I think actually that has been like the biggest deal for me. And even like for my health, cause there's sometimes like pollution in the air, and since we had power, then I started using an air filter. And it's like, uh, my family told me, like, they're like, when you call home, we notice you're coughing less. So, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really made a big difference. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Do you keep your air purifier in your bedroom? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sleep with it. So, yeah, yeah. So, for like nine hours a day, then at least I'm breathing a bit clearer, cleaner mm-hmm. air. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, next question is what's something that has gotten easier? the longer you've lived here? And then what's something that gets like harder and harder the longer that you live here? I think it gets easier to live here. Like you get, you figure things out and you know where to get stuff. And yeah, when I first moved here, I remember I knew like two roads. And even though I knew I was taking like this massive like detour out of the way, it was like, (laughs) if I take this road, then I know I'll get to where I'm going. Even if it's like this giant circle. So yeah, but now it's like, yeah, you just learn so much about how to get around and where to get stuff and all that kind of thing. For sure, that's gotten lots better. And what was the other part? What's And then what gets harder? harder? Yeah. yeah. I think it gets harder to be away from family. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. when I first came, it was only for two years. And I went home for summers and like, yeah. But now, like when I was home last, I just realized like how much I'd missed out with my family and mm-hmm. like memories that they had together that I don't have with them. So oh, yeah. yeah, that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah. You have a lot mm-hmm. of siblings, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my family's really good at like remembering like funny things and like having little traditions that are kind of unique to us that we do. And then they'll like, you know, say those jokes or be like, oh yeah, now every Christmas we do this thing. And I'll be like, oh. what is this thing that we're doing now? Oh, so no. yeah. <laughs> you, like missed the genesis yeah. of the new tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does your family ever forget that you weren't there at some event because my family does that all the time they're like yeah you remember when we were in this place last year and i'm like i haven't been home in two years what are you talking about yeah yeah or some kind of joke like i used to live with my sisters and we'd have like certain words that we'd say in certain ways and we just knew what reference it was and it would just be Mm -hmm. funny just to say that thing and then yeah, then when I get back, they are saying different things, or I don't know what the joke is. So, right. yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's that hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is hard. It's something maybe that you can't totally prepare yourself for, right? Like, yeah. I feel like when I'm, I mean, I've only been here two years, but like when I moved here, I was like, well, you know, I'm used to living away from my family. So, like, maybe other people will miss them, but. I won't. You know, I'm so strong. Yeah. <laughs> they move here and it's like, oh, man, I wish I could go home. Yeah. Or maybe even though I lived away from family before, I still saw them like two or three times a year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. not like a quick trip you can right. make. Interestingly, I find I actually talk to my family more, I think, mm-hmm. now that I live here. Because mm-hmm. when I lived in the U.S., I lived 
like a two and a half hour flight from my parents. And I probably, I mean, I physically saw them a couple times a year. But now that I live here, like, okay, let's Skype. And it's, like, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, kind of, like, check in every few weeks. Yeah. Whereas when I lived there, it was, like, I took it for granted. And it would just be, like, two months. And I'd be, like, oh, my God, I haven't called my mom in so long. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Have any of your family members gone to visit you here? Yeah. Actually, um, my sister came about two years ago. So that was super great. Like, is she yeah. younger or older she's, than you? She's the next youngest to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's cool because she's also a teacher and she is also, like, among my sisters, more interested in traveling than some of them. So we, like, share those interests and it's fun to talk to her because I can say, like, oh, I went to this restaurant and had this and she remembers doing that Aww. when I was when she was here. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And she might come again. So, oh, yeah, that'd it's be really awesome. cool that she's been able to. Yeah, because. I'm part of their life there, but that she came to be part of my life here is really nice. Yeah. Has anyone in your family like lived overseas or traveled much? No. Are you kind of the only one? Well, like in my extended family, yes, like aunts and uncles and that kind of thing. But in my own family, I'm the only one. Mm. Like some of them have traveled like for maybe two weeks or something at a time. But yeah. What do they think of you being here? Well, they call me like, what do they call me? The trailblazer or something. (laughs) Yeah, because I like do things before anyone else does. Like I pierced my ears first and like just got, I just got a scooter and they're like, wow, Maple, you're going to be so like, I don't know. They're just impressed, I guess. Which is kind of cool. (laughs) Like, "Mm, yes, yes. Hair flip. Exactly. Such a rebel getting an electric scooter. I can go 50 kilometers an hour yeah. on a good day. In mode three, you really get good torque. <laughs> the torque. Oh, the torque. <laughs> so you just went back. You just spent a year back in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So Big is going to be going back to the States for a few months. So we always ask this question. <laughs> can you hear me frowning? <laughs> <laughs> we always like to ask people what it's like to like re-enter their home culture for an extended time. So... Do you have any like reverse culture shock moments when you moved back? Yeah, it was pretty awful, actually. Yeah, the first two months were really hard. Thanks. Really encouraging. (laughs) Now you're prepared, at least. Was that your first time going back for an extended period of time? No, I had been back for six months, and that was totally fine. I didn't Hmm. feel anything. But yeah, when I went back for a year, I think because I'd been here longer, like Mm. when I went back for six months, I'd only been here two years. And then after I'd been here five years altogether is when I went back for a whole year and Mm. I didn't know what to expect but it was way harder than I thought it was going to be like in what ways like what you know how did you feel or did you have any like kind of specific moments where you're like I can't function I don't know what to do well one thing that was really hard is that things I was expecting to really like and like just really relish like I didn't have that feeling like like I was like oh I'll like when I get back and I can breathe the clean air and like mm. just look up into the blue sky. And then when I was back, I'd be like breathing the air and looking into the sky. And like, I was like, I don't feel anything. Like, <laughs> And it was really disappointing because I'd been like looking to that moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Or I think another huge thing for me was relationship wise. I think because like Asian cultures are like people call them warm cultures because they're more like people are often more like open, welcoming, friendly. Whereas like cold cultures, like my culture tends to be people are more reserved and shy and that kind of thing. So yeah, I really felt like, I don't know, not welcomed, like not welcomed the way that I wanted. I think, I think everyone was, was welcoming me in their cultural way. Right. But I felt like 
kind of ignored. <laughs> so oh, it was really hard. Yeah. That would be hard. Well, and just I think that it's so much more of an individualistic culture too. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> like people don't necessarily expect to spend tons of time in a group yeah, or yeah. do things together with you. Yeah. They're like, oh, maybe she probably needs her space. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like I'd be like chatting to one friend and then another friend that I hadn't seen for like two years would like, you know, come up and be like, oh, hey, just saying hi, but like dash away. And I was like, <laughs> I want to like give you a big hug. Oh and like, gosh. but they would like be like, I don't want to interrupt. Sorry. Like, I'll talk to you later. Oh my goodness. And it was just like so hard. Or like I ran into a friend who was jogging in the park and I, she's like a really good friend of mine. And I thought, I mean, I had seen her before, but like, I was like, we ran into each other in the park. Like here, I feel like you would stop and have a chat, you know, like, yeah. how's your run going? Where are you headed? You know? maybe for five minutes or something but she was just like hey and like kept running and I was like I actually got like little tears in my eyes because I was like she didn't want to talk to me like yeah yeah wow that would make me really sad too (laughs) but it I can see how that would happen like if you move to Nepal then they're like oh you're a foreigner we need to like tell you how to do things here and like bring you in but if you go back to your own culture then they're like you know your place here we don't need to like help you get used to it again or like they're not being rude they're just being how they are how they normally are i I complained about it to my family and they were like oh i would do the same thing like if someone was talking to someone i wouldn't interrupt them you know and i was like no you need to like give them a bear hug and be like you're back like yeah but anyways yeah i guess you change when you live overseas and your expectations become different so definitely yeah But we can use this as an opportunity to tell our listeners who know people living overseas or who are living overseas, like, if you see somebody (laughs) that you haven't seen in a long time, don't worry about who they're talking to. Give them a hug. Don't worry about interrupting them. Yeah. Yeah. Or and maybe, like, if someone that you know is moving back or visiting, ask them what they need. Mm -hmm. Because I think... If you just assume you know what they want or know what they need, you're probably wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget the first time I went back to the U.S. It was like a whirlwind. I was only there for two weeks. And a friend of mine drove up like two hours from San Diego to hang out with me. And she went to Target with me because I needed to go to Target. And I was just having like all of these problems. (laughs) It was like toward the end of my time. And I was so jet lagged and tired, you know. And I was doing things like I had a basket to put items in, but I wasn't putting them in the basket. I was just holding them in my other arm. <laughs> she like just very gently like was guiding me around and putting the items in my basket. You know, like, That's good. that was like the best thing she could have done. She just like took over and took care of me. And I was like, Thank you. I don't know how to function here. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about Canadian culture a little bit. Is there any aspect of your home culture? that you felt was uniquely difficult to adjust from when you moved to Nepal? Hmm. Like, is there something, you know, not just like, oh, I'm from the West, so therefore X, but something you think is like kind of unique to maybe Canadian Mm -hmm. culture or even like the area where you're from specifically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the hardest thing was that I didn't realize how conservative my subculture was. Um, Like, I think everyone just thinks they're normal, right? And like, because everyone that I knew, like, you know, has like these ideas about, but they have like standards about what you should or shouldn't do, what you should or shouldn't wear, you know, all those kind of things. And then what you should or shouldn't say. Mm. And then coming here, it wasn't so much with like Nepali people, but with other foreigners, I'd be like, mm-hmm. they just said that word. And like, I don't know, like if I can be their <laughs> friend, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I really had to um, 
take a step back and realize that like some of the stuff that I grew up thinking was like a matter of right or wrong was actually just like, this is just the way my culture does it, or this is the way my family does it. It's not a moral issue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually like we're a little weird compared to most of the people in the world. So interesting. And do you feel like you, do you feel like you landed at a good balance between like, okay, I'm being more open from the examples of people that Mm -hmm. I've met, but I'm still kind of holding on a little bit to like these things that, you know, Mm -hmm. are unique to my place. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I, I mean, I hope I'm more open, like in terms of like, I think when I came here, if there was somebody that said or did something that I didn't agree with, then I would be like, oh, we can't be friends, you know? Like Mm. I would feel like there's, we don't have any, we don't have these values in common. Whereas I think now... Yeah. Anyways, I hope that I'm more able to like be friends with people from really different kinds of backgrounds mm-hmm. and like find the common ground rather than like looking for the differences. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But interestingly, like in some parts of my life, I like kind of went through a time of questioning, but then also like more like turned back to those some certain values in certain areas where I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, actually, like this is the way my family does it, but I also want to choose to do things mm-hmm. in this way because I see you know, what it brings to our family or like what it brings to our lives or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. And it's like a unique opportunity. I think if you live so Mm cross-culturally that you like kind of have to be intentional about your beliefs and your traditions and stuff, because you don't have like, you know, the same people that would kind of tie you to those. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, what do I? (laughs) Yeah. But one area that like, I think I've been, I've definitely changed in is like, how I dress like Mm. like there is like this very like unwritten but very specific code of like wear a skirt to the knees wear a tank top neckline to this certain area then you're dressing properly you know Mm. Uh. um yeah and it was never well sometimes it was stated but like whatever there's no rule book but that's kind of what I thought like that's how you should dress to be proper and you know living here it's like the most proper like conservative old ladies like wearing a sari with like her whole stomach exposed and you're like okay like there's something different about this so I think in that way like I've kind of changed now so that like I recognize that those things are really culturally contextual is that the Mm -hmm. right word like Mm -hmm. I would still say like I like follow the cultural norms wherever I am but I'm I realize that those things are more fluid than I probably thought of it 10 years yeah. ago. So Yeah. So then yeah. do you kind of adjust what you wear, like depending on where you are? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally do. Like there's stuff I wear here that I'd be like, oh, no, I could never wear that back home. Mm. But then there's stuff I wear back home that I'm like, oh, no, I could never wear that in Nepal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I wouldn't feel comfortable anyways. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like most people when they move here feel like they have to start dressing more conservatively yeah. than they did back home. Yeah. That sounds like it was a little bit opposite for you. Yeah. Well, then it's like, I can wear a sari and like show my stomach and like <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> but I don't own yeah. I'm so sexy. <laughs> you let your stomach hang out, but you're like, man, I don't own one pair of shorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I haven't worn shorts in like, well, I guess I wore shorts when I was home, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you had mentioned that you grew up in a rural area. What's it been like living in this like super urban setting now? Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things I've adapted to. Yeah, like when I said how I went home and I was like so looking forward to trees and air, like it's almost like I had been here long enough that like I didn't care about those things anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. That's yeah. Crazy. yeah. I mean, I hated it, but it was like, yeah, but. I still really like being able to get out of the city and like go trekking. Like that's what I do on all my school breaks. Mm. And I find it, yeah, super refreshing to be out of the city. And 
But I feel like when I'm in the city, like I kind of forget about all those things. And it's not like you wake up every day going like, oh, no, I don't want to be here. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although when I first moved here, I have to say, like, I really felt like closed in. But there's like a lot of brick walls and like, mm. you know, like even the lanes, it'll be like lined on both sides with brick walls. That's true. And, yeah, it's very narrow. Yeah. And you can't like see a long distance. And where I'm from, you can see like miles. Like mm. yeah, it's really it's, flat. right? Yeah, really like prairie and like. There's like this joke, like if you like fire your hired hand, you can see him walking three days later. Like, <laughs> like that's how flat and like oh, still yeah. walking home, all sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my province's motto is um, "Land of Living Skies." So like you can see a ton of the sky and like like really beautiful sunsets and sunrises and stuff. But here it's like mountains and brick walls and yeah, like yeah, true. so yeah, yeah. That bothered me a lot when I first got here, but I think I'm used to it now. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you really like about living in a city now? Hmm. Well, the thing I like about living in this city is that like everything is very like close and with, within walking distance. So, mm, yeah. you know, if I need to get eggs, I can just run down and get them in five minutes from the corner store. Like, yeah, I really like that part mm-hmm. of it. But I think that's unique to this city, not to like right. cities in general. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you're in a city, but you have your like little village within yeah, the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. So maybe that in that sense, it still kind of is a bit rural, even mm-hmm. though it's a giant city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good transition city, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the cities you could move I to know. next. <laughs> you could step up your urban game. I know. <laughs> okay. I have another question. You talked a little bit about how when you first came here, you had to adjust kind of your some of your like cultural expectations with your interactions with foreigners but not so much with Nepalis so I was just curious what has your social life been like here like are you friends more with expats or with Nepalis and what does that look like yeah I think it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years like I've had seasons where I've had like good Nepali friends and then like maybe they moved away or whatever reason we're not like as much in touch with each other but I think in general my social life is mostly other expats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's partly like to do with the nature of my work. Like I am working within the international community more so than um, the Nepali community. Right. So yeah, opportunities to get to know people. I think I'd have to be much more intentional than I have been to mm-hmm. build really close relationships with them. So yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's always easier to make friends with people that are already in like your day to day schedule and yeah. stuff. I think it's also easier to make friends with people that have a similar cultural background to you. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what about, I mean, being here for seven years, like not a lot of expats stay mm-hmm. in any one country that long. Mm-hmm. Have you had like a ton of turnover with your friends? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like I have to make new friends like every two years, like, mm-hmm. like those like really close friends that you like kind of can confide in and that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's Do cool. you stay connected with people once they leave or not really? Some people more than others, but yeah, I've got a couple of friends that like, you know, we still keep in touch and through Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you like visited people if you happen to be traveling through some country? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I visited so a couple of people or, or there's people I would still like to visit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a huge benefit of being yeah, an expat. Right. Yeah. You just like, yeah. like, it's really hard because your friends are always leaving and it's yeah. really sad, but you like know someone in every place you could potentially travel to. Yeah, it's totally true. Yeah, (laughs) And I feel like there's, among expats, there's such a culture of 
sure come hang out like i haven't mm-hmm. talked to you in five years of mm-hmm. course come stay at my yeah. house you know? yeah like, but you exactly. have this like intense nepal experience yeah even yeah. if you like i've had it with like people that i wasn't like really besties with here but then i contact them and be like hey i'm gonna come through like can i come and stay with you and they're like so excited just because we share that common ground right. that they don't necessarily share with people in their home country so exactly yeah imagine that yeah. in reverse like what if you move back to canada yeah. And then, like, someone from Nepal was like, hey, I'm going to be in Alberta. I'd be like, yeah. yeah. yeah right. Be like, I'll drive 10 hours to see you. Like, yeah. <laughs> <For real. laughs> Another question, like, related to this. Do you feel like it gets harder to make new friends after a time? Like, do you get kind of jaded? Or are you pretty good mm. about, like, being open to new friendships and fostering those? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I mean, in a way, it kind of does get harder or for people that are only here for a very short time. But then sometimes I've been really surprised. Like, usually I'm a person that takes a long time to make a friend like it. Sometimes it takes me like a year to feel like, okay, this now this person's a really good friend. But but yeah, there was one friend of mine who um, came to school to just cover maternity leave and she was only in country for like seven months. And we like became such good friends right away. Mm -hmm. Like we just both really clicked with each other. And now, like, yeah, she moved back to England, where she's from. But then I went to visit her there. And last summer, we went to Switzerland together. And, like, yeah, it's like I only knew her here for, like, seven months. But I think we're going to be lifelong friends. So so I feel like it's not always – yeah, maybe I can't really name the rule of how it works, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. That's really, like, kind of inspiring and a good reminder. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it is easy to start to get kind of, you know – or like I'll meet someone and I'm like, how long are you going to be here? And they're like five months. I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or even like this year, I lived really briefly um, with someone who's only here for 10 months. We were staying in the same apartment for a month. And I was like, oh, like, whatever. Yeah. But then like we became good friends just in the month that we lived together. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved out, like we still hang out. And like, I think she'll be another friend that I like stay in touch with and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of cool to meet those people because I think... Yeah, you do feel yourself getting a bit, like, tough skin and being like, okay, like, do I want to make a good friend to say goodbye to them? Right. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I kind of, it comes in waves for me. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, I want all the new friends. Yeah. And then, you know, six months later, I'm like, I'm only going to talk to the people that I know yeah. I'll see in like yeah. a year. I feel like if, like, sometimes if I have a really good core group, like, I went, I had this one season where I had, like, yeah, three really good friends. And then it was almost like, I'm like, okay, I got the friends I need. Like, you know? Yeah, don't and then, need to branch out. Yeah, then they all left. Like within three months, they all left. Oh, no. And then I had, because I'm a slow friend maker, it took me like another seven months till I felt like I had a good friend again. Wow. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. You need to plan this out better. You need to like overlap. Start your like time. letting go. And yeah. then, <laughs> okay, I know you're going to leave in five months. So I need to make a new friend now. Yeah. So by the time you're gone, I'll actually be friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you refer a friend to? Yes. Before you go, please. Gonna have to stop hanging out with you quite so often because cultivating new friendships. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Is this the last question? Or the final question? I'm kind of nervous actually. This is a surprise question question. (laughs) that Mabel didn't know about. Don't worry, it's not scary. Okay. So our last episode, we talked about all of the weird things that foreigners pack or like you know if you go out of nepal what do you always bring back so what weird things do you tend to bring back to nepal okay um 
I bring Q-tips. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like Q-tip brand Q-tips. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what else do I bring? Um, this time I brought matches. Yeah, like good. wooden matches. Yeah. yeah. I bought some wooden matches here. Did you get a them here? A couple months ago. Oh. It was so exciting. Wow, I, I've never seen them here, so I brought like two big boxes. Yeah. yeah. To all you listeners who have not been to Nepal or don't know yeah. this, most of the matches here are made of plastic. Mm-hmm. Who thought like that was a good idea? One inch really long, scary. and you have to burn your finger while you light the candles. They're so yeah. flimsy. Yeah. They don't work at all. Mm-hmm. There is one good brand, though. It's something like Rati or something like that. That's the ones I got. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like you can only buy them in the village. I've never seen oh, them in Kathmandu. Yeah. Oh, really? I've never bought matches. I got them in poker, I think. Huh. I live with an Norwegian. <laughs> got matches. <laughs> all the all the matches. <laughs> yeah. Matches and napkins. What else could a girl need? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I always bring, like... All my socks, all my underwear, all my mm-hmm. shoes, mm-hmm. herbal tea. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. But that's becoming more available too. You guys, this was like a new country. Let me yeah. tell you. Yeah, things are changing. <laughs> yeah. Good. Q-tips and matches. Mm-hmm. I like that Q-tips answer. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, any of Maple's friends, you know what to send her in a care package. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this has all been a ploy to inspire you to send her yeah. a care package. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, Mabel, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was super fun. It's uh, it's good to hear from a Canadian. Yeah, it's been real. Um, okay, well, now I guess it's time for our segment of the week. So you guys, there was a big event this week. Did any of you watch it? It was really big. Actually, it's only big in America. (laughs) Like 100 million people watch this event. Mm -hmm. Can you guess what it was yet? It's called the Super Bowl. And this year was Super Bowl 53, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the big final American football event every year. And contrary to popular belief, it is not on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I've had a couple non-Americans ask me that this week. I thought it was on Thanksgiving. Ah, oh. Football is other times of the year, too. That's a good guess, though. There's a lot of football games on Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving. Which is weird. When's, like, the Rose Bowl? Uh, New Year's. Mm-hmm. See? I don't know, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's college football. And the Super Bowl uh, is professional F- football. NFL. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Fun thing about living overseas is when you want to watch your favorite sporting events that are aired on Sunday afternoons, you have to wake up at the butt crack of dawn. Mm -hmm. So what time did you end up getting up today? Actually, today I was lazy and I didn't get up till like 540 a.m. So (laughs) normally, so normally kickoff is at 515 Nepal time. Mm hmm. So I have a tradition. Every year that I've lived here, I've watched the Super Bowl. Even last year, we were in the village, and we still like found a way to watch it. It was awesome. Yeah, it's funny because I like football, but I don't put a lot of effort into following it the rest of the year because I don't want to wake up at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. like often. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always watch the Super Bowl because, come on, it's a Super Bowl. And who doesn't want to eat delicious snacks at 5 in the morning? Oh, my gosh. The gas. Oh, the gas. <laughs> it is a bit weird to eat like chips and hummus and salsa with coffee. <laughs> Feels like a weird combo, but. So, okay. I should specify I did not 
have anything to do with the Super Bowl. Yeah, White is not a fan. I really wish that I liked it. Like, I feel like sports would be so fun to be interested in, but I just don't care. And I'm not going to get up at 6 a.m. to go and watch something that I don't actually care about. Right. Um, You don't love me enough to come hang out with me at 6 in the morning? (laughs) No, no. You heard it here first, folks. The <laughs> There's truth a reason comes to out. record our podcast in the evening. <laughs> um, but I almost came when you guys were planning it because it sounded so fun. So <laughs> you had some FOMO. You sent out this email to a lot of our friends saying, hey, you know, I and one of our other friends are going to be watching this the Super Bowl. It starts at 5.15 a.m. If you want to come and hang out with us, here's what's happening and where we're meeting. And then you guys were like, well, you know, if it's going to be kickoff at 5.15 a.m., then like maybe we should just like sleep at the office and just like wake up and like have a sleepover with people. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so miserable. But like I want to be able to tell people that I did that for Super Bowl. <laughs> sounded so fun. You could use it as like two truths and a lie. Yes. But. You know, I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to be on Instagram for four hours starting at 5 a.m. I think it's a good thing you didn't come because this year was like the boringest Super Bowl That's what I ever. Heard. I mean, A, of course I wanted the Rams to win because they just moved to L.A. I got to rep my city. And because I have to hate the Patriots because it's like a life rule. Yep, yep. But there was, like, no scoring. There was one touchdown the whole game. Oh. It was crazy. It gets morale down. I know. Well, you could tell, like, so the game was tied, and then the Patriots got a touchdown. And then you could tell the Rams just, like, gave up. Like, they were kind of, like, going through the motions. But suddenly their, like, perfect, amazing defense that had held all game was just, like, eh. Like, there's, like, three defensive guys I think on I'll one go home now. offensive guy, and he still catches the ball, and they don't tackle him, and you're like, oh, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> anyway, that's a little off topic. Anyway, so that is off topic. How, okay, so we had the time. Did anything else change about how you, like, watched or experienced the Super Bowl here? That's a good question. Well, every year I do the same thing, or ahead of time I research, like, how to stream the game live. And I always want to try to stream, like, the American version, because mm-hmm. part of the fun of the Super Bowl is the crazy commercials that they play. Like All of the fun for me. I feel like the majority of people who watch the Super Bowl don't normally watch football. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just there for their snacks, for drinking with their friends, and for the commercials. <laughs> so, and if Beyonce's doing halftime. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which everyone is obsessed with for some reason. Yeah. So, it's like, you want to get a stream that's from a U.S. company. So every time I'm like, okay, I have it all planned out. I know what I'm going to do. And then the game starts and I'm frantically on my computer for like 20 minutes. Like, no, it's not working. (laughs) So I like, I have a VPN. So it tricks the internet into thinking I'm in America. So you can stream it from the channel that Mm -hmm. plays the Super Bowl every year. But it, it was seeing that I had a VPN. And I was like, so then I'm searching like for kind of like bootleg versions. Like none of those were working. I tried setting up for, like, a different thing. Then I was Googling, like, why doesn't my VPN work on CBS? And it's like, we recommend this VPN, which is the one I was using. Like, cool. <laughs> there it's is no hope. 545, and I'm very tired, and I'm getting very frustrated. <laughs> but then I just messaged the company. I was hmm. like, hey, which, you know, VPN setting should I use to watch this? And they were like, oh, let me check for you. 
And then they told me like the specific like, select the New Jersey number three location. Whoa, and then it worked. that's insane. Yeah. So Thanks, I guess New Jersey. Yep. So we got to watch some New Jersey local commercials, which that's is always awesome. fun. <laughs> that is another fun part is like, Whatever your VPN is telling your computer, you know, whatever place like, you're in. These are the people <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. need this commercial. Yeah. So you have had some other crazy years of watching the Super Bowl involving multiple people informing you. Yeah. Okay. So this wasn't the Super Bowl, but this is my best like football game watching mm-hmm. story. This is still back when like the power electricity wasn't very reliable. And so, but we were in the process of moving from one flat to another. So we had moved our backup electricity system, which is called an inverter, to our new flat. But we were staying in the old flat. (laughs) And the game started at 3 a.m. And it was my team, the Seahawks, versus her team, the Packers. So we're like, okay, we got to watch this game together. (laughs) So we wake up at 3 in the morning she busts out her special goldfish crackers, which you can't Aww. buy here, that we've been saving. <laughs> We're like, yes! So we are watching the game online. Then at the end of the game, there was not much time left in the game at all. The power went out. Oof. So we didn't have internet. So we couldn't watch the game. So we're like, no. And it was a really close game. We're like, what's happening? So she calls her mom on the phone, who lives in Wisconsin, and her mom puts the phone next to the TV so we can like kind of hear it. <laughs> can't really hear the announcer. But we could hear like we'd hear like bruh, bruh, bruh. And we're like, oh my gosh, something happened. <laughs> so then I pull out my phone and I have like you know you can watch I don't know if you know this, but like there's certain websites where you can just watch the progress of the game. So it just shows you like like a little ball moving along mm-hmm. the field. Or, like you know, none of the players or anything. So I was switching between that, like with my using my phone data and texting our friend who was in Washington at the time, who's also a Seahawks fan. So we would we'd like be watching it and listening. And then we'd hear the like, whoa. And then I text Steph, like, what happened? And she's like, you know, I see the three dots. And it's like all suspenseful. I'm like, first down. Like, ah! <laughs> Not as exciting as visually watching the game, but. The adrenaline is, like, more real, though. Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of suspense Mm -hmm. involved. And, you know, I don't remember who won. (laughs) I think it must have been the Seahawks, because I think they went to the Super Bowl that year. Mm. The things that you don't know how to prepare for. (laughs) Yeah. Guard your football carefully. It's true. It's fun to have something that feels very American that I do every year. It's, like, an important tradition. Mm -hmm. And it's also funny to be somewhere where it's, like, I mean, in America, it is such a big deal. And you're like, of course, I'll be able to go to a viewing party if I want. And here it's like, mm, no. Oh, I looked <laughs> for like 45 minutes. Like there's got to be one restaurant or like the American Club or something that's having an event. I couldn't find anything. I found stuff from other years. Which is yeah, nobody cared helpful. about this year. I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, can't blame them. Yeah, it was pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> probably what they probably were better off sleeping and just watching the commercials on yeah. YouTube later. Yeah, I don't regret it. So that's my weird thing that I do to stay connected to America. Well, I think we've said just about everything that we need to say. We had a wonderful guest this week. Thank I know. Thank you so much, Maple. Thanks You're again. Awesome. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to hang up now. You can't hang up. <laughs> Please. 
Aren't you tired from watching the Super Bowl? I am. Yes, very tired from waking up so many hours ago. What do we need to tell our listeners? Um, guys, I, you probably know all the things. What am I saying? They're like repeating it to themselves at home right <laughs> Instagram, now. Instagram, Facebook, internets, Patreon, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. All the reviews. Review us. Actually, it does help you guys. You don't have to write anything out. You just do the yeah. stars and then be done with it. The more, the better. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> That's how reviews work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're here to explain things yeah. to you. <laughs> All right, well, I think I'm going to hang up now. No, I'm going to hang up first. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> Aggressive, just like your eye contact. You know it. <laughs> okay, well, bye. I won't look away. Bye. I'm still looking Okay, bye. Oh, my gosh, bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>